This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Blood Red podcast. You're joining me again today. I'm your host, Connor Dunn. And here's Paul Gorst, full-time Liverpool correspondent. How are you, Paul? Very well, Connor. Yes, it's, uh, it's getting a bit late in the day, isn't it? But uh, we'll crack on like the uber professionals we are and we'll get out of here handy, hopefully. Absolutely, just to bring the people the content they want. Yes. I'm also joined by Anfield stalwart Dan Kay. Dan, how are you? Very well, thank you, Connor. Looking forward to another big weekend for the Reds all being well. Absolutely. And I'm also joined by She of National Broadcaster fame, <laughs> Keeper O'Neill. How are you? Yeah, very good. Do you know what? Um, I've just had the nicest banana. I think I've ever had in my life and I feel like I needed to share that with someone so why not our lovely listeners well <laughs> how did you follow that honestly yeah. it I was love a just link. and where's the team that are right for right now trade secrets perfect well we'll jump straight into it um, Paul you were at Jurgen Klopp's press conference earlier today and there was some big injury news you know we've had Fabinho Matip, Keita, Lovren, Milner all out for a little while but there's been some updates can you give me them yeah, so Fabinho was, was back in training earlier this week along with Joel Matip who I think was, was back in training the previous week but looks like both are going to be in contention for Sunday so that's uh, two more uh, injury boosts for Jürgen Klopp that seems to be coming at a, a good time when he's getting the numbers back and a bit of strength and depth finally after that uh, period over Christmas when the numbers were a bit stretched um, so I don't think either will start but it's good to have them back Matip hasn't played for coming up to three months now which is a long time when you think it hasn't really been too. Uh, it hasn't really been reported too heavily that you know Liverpool have been missing a first choice centre back for, for that long. Uh, Fabinho, we all know how important he is to the team long term. So it's uh, great to have them back. Lovren will be back in training on Monday. Uh, so it's just a case of Milner and Kate now as of next week, and um, I'm sure we'll hear more about those two next week. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Kiva Klopp said that. Fabinho and Matip are probably going to be in this squad to face Man United. What sort of impact do you think that's going to have for Liverpool? What sort of impact do you think it's going to have on the players and the squad and just the overall mood in there? I love it when a plan comes together, do you? Everyone's coming back now. It just feels great. Um, do you know what? I think it'll be a boost to the squad, but it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Because having more players to choose from now, it's going to be quite interesting. We'll now have a, a real question. Klopp will have a question of who actually starts the game. Obviously, I think they're both maybe doubtful to start. I'd be shocked if they did, but you, you just don't know. Um, I think it's amazing to have Fabinho back in particular because you think, if not United, game after that, he'd be in week in, week out, won't he? Um, but having Matip coming back in and um, Lovren is returning to training as uh, Gorsty said so I just think you know having them options I just think it gives us that kind of a feeling of like safety almost in numbers because we've got them players where you know in the Club World Cup we were down to the bare minimum weren't we when Henderson, Van Dijk, Henderson yeah. you know so you know it could have all collapsed almost you know for a, for a moment in my head there all that was everything was gone and it was all dissipating but you know now having these players back I think it's, you know, it's great, isn't it, to have the options, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Dan, I was just going to ask, really, do you think the fact that these are coming back, do you think it's going to unsettle any players? Do you think it's going to have any negative impact? Or do you think it's just purely positive? I think in the modern game, I think any footballer worth his salt, and particularly playing for a top club like Liverpool, is acutely aware that it's a squad game and no one has the right or the expectation to think that they're going to start every single game. Um, as... 
uh, Gorsi and Kiva have alluded to, you know, things did get pretty much down to the very bare bones over December and January, so much so that we even had to bring back Nat Phillips from, from Stuttgart on loan just to cover that, that Everton FA Cup tie. The reality is Liverpool, this is now the second weekend in the row that Liverpool go into a game having had the luxury of a full week's training, which obviously is a rarity, but that will become a rarity again once we get into February when the Champions well, League kicks off Next again. week, got Wolves on Thursday, Shrewsbury on Sunday, so well, exactly. it's all over again, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and obviously, particularly if, if we continue our FA Cup run, which I personally hope we do. So, and, you know, and the sad reality is, it's a long, hard football season, you know, virtually it's half a season still to play. There will, sadly, inevitably be more injuries. So, no, I, I think it, it can only be looked at uh, in an entirely positive light to have these players and you know, on personalities and characters coming back into training because you know the one thing that strikes you about this Liverpool squad is that they're a real unit who are very much together. They all sing from the same sing from the same hymn sheets. They all they, they, they seem almost like yeah, without wanting to be too cliches about it, they do seem like a big family. And I just think even if the likes of you know, maybe the likes of Love and Fabinho, some of the others won't necessarily go straight back into the team. Having them in Melwood, training with the lads day in, day out, I think can only enhance the kind of the, the feeling of the group as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. I think we probably already know the answer to this, which is all three of you answered already, but Matip probably not coming straight back into the side. Gomez has done a sterling job in centre-back and that's not really a position you change. I think Fabinho could be a possible, but I'll go along the line just quick for our answer. Does Fabinho come straight back in? Yes or no? Gorsty? No, no. Um, I mean, he's been out for... Pretty much the whole of December and so many games he's missed thirty in his whole. So I wouldn't be I'd be mindful of throwing him straight back in. Maybe um if Lapula looking looking like they're gonna get the points, twenty minutes from time, bring him back into the fold and get him up and running again. But uh, I wouldn't be I'd be wary of starting him on Sunday. Do you agree with that, Dan? I would yeah, I, I wouldn't throw him straight back in. I mean, we're in this lovely position now where you know, Jordan it's a, 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 a tremendous applaud it really to, to Jordan Henderson that when Fabinho you know, kind of established himself as the defensive midfield fulcrum last season he really kind of kicked on and Henderson almost had this like Indian summer playing further forward but you know Henderson has managed to almost reinvent himself again as a very very effective uh, defensive midfielder over the last two months when Fabinho has been out so there's absolutely no issue whatsoever that he that he's more than capable of handling that role against United on Sunday, possibly against Wolves in, in midweek. I think, you know, I would imagine that Klopp will be very much looking at the the, you know, the away leg against Atletico Madrid, which is in probably, what, three or four weeks' time, and wanting Fabinho to be match fit, match ready, have a couple of games under his belt by then. So, no, I, I wouldn't throw him out on Sunday. And the same for yeah, you as well. definitely not rushing back in. I mean, Klopp took his time initially putting him into the team, didn't he? Took him a while, him a while to, I think it was October, when he made his first full start um, last year. So I think it'd be too risky. You know, he's a player who's going to play pretty much every game from now until the end of the season. So why risk it when we've got players like Henderson who've done a sterling job? Yeah, absolutely. Could not agree more. Um, Gorsty Klopp also spoke, you know, Man United, Liverpool tactics, defence the attack, dominating the ball. What sort of game are you expecting and what are you expecting from United on Sunday? Well, Marcus Rashford doesn't look like he's going to be involved and that's a massive blow for United because... Um, seen them against Manchester City last month and they executed that counter-attack game plan to perfection really completely flabbergasted City with it and they just looked so threatening every time they piled forward with, with numbers and speed and um, and quality um, so not having him in the team obviously they've got players who, who probably similar style in terms of pace 
But he's their talisman, no doubt. He's having a fantastic season. Um, it's probably the only good thing about United's season so far. So to not have him is a massive blow for Solskjaer. Obviously, good news for Liverpool. But I still think Solskjaer will still try and get men behind the ball and break on the counter attack with the likes of uh, of Lingard and Martial and, and maybe even Mason Greenwood, who is having an, an excellent season as a young lad in the team as well. But uh, Liverpool will look to dominate, get on the ball, have to line share the possession again like they did against Tottenham. Might even be a similar type of game with Tottenham. It would United content to just let Liverpool have have the ball in in, in their own half and, and try and um, break in numbers at speed. So I'm expecting Liverpool to to see most of the ball and it's whether they can break down United's rear guard. Um, Harry Maguire's the new captain now, isn't he? So he might um, you know step into that role with a little bit more of of a you know a little bit of more responsibility than he than he has. It'll be interesting to see if Liverpool can unpick the lock, but I think they will. I don't think Liverpool won't win this one. Yeah, so we're just sticking with Marcus Rashford there a moment, Dan. So, Solskjaer said in his press conference today that he doesn't expect him to be fit, although there's 48 hours between now and when the game takes place. He'll be a huge miss for Man United. He's only Salah has scored more winning goals for a club this year than Rashford has. Um but do you think it's a little bit of mind games? Rashford got yeah. injured against Wolves, mm. and after the game, he said, "Oh, he can play through the pain barrier. He's quite a quick healer." Well, just bit, little bits and bobs I've seen online, on social media, either side of the press conference this afternoon. There's been a few lines coming out that supposedly he wants to have an injection. He's dead keen to play. Um, as Dorsey said, he is absolutely their their figurehead, their talisman. I'm a huge fan of him. I, I, I think he's an outstanding young player. We've got a, a massive future ahead of him. And he's shown a real appetite you know, he's he showed a real appetite for fixtures against Liverpool. He's got quite a good record against us, bearing in mind he's only been around what two or three years. So I mean I'm old enough to remember a game against United years ago when they were going for the league and in the build up all the build up to it was all Brian Robson and Paul Ince, there's no way they'll be playing. I remember us all saying in the build up you watched, they'll be there on the pitch at five to three and lo and behold. I mean, the fantastic position that Liverpool are in now is that he plays, he doesn't play. I'm still looking forward to seeing Liverpool take on Manchester United in what is still, no matter what some people might say, you know, as 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 globally resonant a fixture yeah. there is anywhere. Liverpool, Manchester United will always matter, no matter how both teams are doing. And I wouldn't be in the least bit surprised if Rashford does play. To be honest, part of me kind of hopes he does because you don't want any back answers afterwards, do you? If and when we do beat them, you want to be able to say, well, we beat as strong a team as they've got. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty confident that's what Liverpool will do on Sunday. Yeah, fair enough, Kiva. I know, obviously, maybe Rashford will, maybe Rashford won't play. Um, a player who's been a little bit of a thorn in Liverpool's side in recent times is Juan Mata. He's had a bit of a resurgence recently. He scored against Norwich. He played against Wolves pretty well. He's been pretty decent. He's looking like he might start. What are you thinking there? It is a bit of a worry, isn't it? Obviously, um, with Mata, then was it that brace he scored against? Yeah, that scissor kick. Oh, it was just unbelievable. Yeah, the game Gerald got sent off. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, um, back so he's, he's got that in his locker, hasn't he? I saw his goal against was at Wolves. Just brilliant. You know, he's getting on himself now, surely. He's 31, I think. 31, you know. But he's he, not he getting looked, on, no. I mean, <laughs> in terms of football <laughs> as well, come on. Um, but yeah, he showed uh, a great bit of pace to, you know, get on the end of that ball and, you know, scored the winning goal for them in the FA Cup. So, you know, it is a bit of a worry, but I don't think can Liverpool really worry, like Dan sort of alluded to there. Can't really worry. This United team are just, Liverpool, they're just dwarfed in terms of like how big Liverpool's players are now. You know, they've got seven Ballon d'Or nominees. This used to be United sort of, you know, teams you think of, you know, 
their teams in the past used to have just world-class player from full-back to centre-half to midfielder to up-front goalkeeper. Liverpool are that team now. So, you know, I've been, I think, less worried about this Man United game than any time we play United since I can remember. I just feel very confident, which is probably a 1-0 win to United coming then, <laughs> isn't it? But no, hopefully not. I think... Um, you know, Liverpool are brilliant and I'm expecting the same fireworks which Shaqiri brought to Anfield last season. Something, you know, maybe they go ahead but Liverpool come back, hopefully. Yeah, fair enough. I'm going to come on to what we want from Liverpool in a moment but before we move on, I think we've got to probably mention about, you know, Klopp's, again, another impassioned plea to protect players. Um, the African Cup of Nations decided for the 2021 season that they're going to move the tournament for January, February and it means the likes of Keita, Salah, Mane could miss six, seven games over that period and what is a really crucial period in any football calendar. Paul, you know, Klopp spoke for a long time about this, didn't he? How, how was it kind of in the room and what was it like? Well, it was James Pace's question, uh, something along the lines of... Formerly um, of this parish. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, how do you feel about the potential of Mane, Salah and Keita being away for six weeks in the middle of January next season? Um, obviously, Klopp wasn't not too happy about the prospect of that, but I think he can accept that these lads are so passionate about playing for their country. That, that is, you know, what they've always wanted to do. And, and he'll send them off with, with the, you know, all the wishes in the world, but... He was making a wider point again about the, the schedule and in our separate bit that the newspaper um, journalists get with Klopp, we got like five or ten minutes with them and someone just kind of asked them to clarify something and it was another impassioned rant along the, the similar theme. It's something he feels very strongly about and to be fair, you can't really argue against the point that he makes because he's not he's not moaning for himself, he's not moaning for Liverpool. This is a wider point about the welfare of the players who play 38 Premier League games, FA Cup, Carabao Cup, European Championships, World Cups, uh, African Cup of Nations, uh, Copper America. It's basically a 12-month a, a football calendar, which just doesn't help. Um, you know, we all love football, we love watching it, but when players are getting put through the paces so vigorously and it's just never-ending, it's going to dilute the quality, you know, quite a lot. And he never shies away from making the points and... Um, I think most people would agree with him. He, he he says quite a lot that these football authorities, be it the Premier League, the FA, UEFA, FIFA, they all need to get get around a, a table and, and hammer this out and try and come to an agreeable <coughs> schedule for you know the European leagues, the, the World Game, because if not, you're going to end up... I mean, he made the point about Harry Kane specifically getting injured for Tottenham across that Christmas period and it now looks like he's going to miss possibly the rest of the season, the European Championships with England. And that's going to be a, a massive shame to have a striker of his quality absent from that tournament. So, um, look, it's not the first time he's made the point. He won't be the only manager to make a similar point, but will it fall on deaf ears? Quite possibly, which is a shame. Yeah, I was going to ask you exactly that, to be honest, Dan. Klopp also mentioned in that speech, you know, he said, this is absolutely pointless, me saying that nobody ever listens and nothing's ever done. Do you think it is pointless, a manager of that stature and that standard saying it? No, I, I, I think he's right to keep saying it. I think other managers need to start speaking out more. I think the likes of the PFA have to come out. You know, mm. One of Klopp's main thrusts of his arguments is, um, this is, you know, someone needs to think of the players. You know, they're almost being treated like horses. You know, just whip them and just push them out there again and again and again. Another point that crossed my mind as well in term is in terms of spectators, not just paying spectators, but but TV spectators. We all love watching football, of course we do. 
and we want as much of it as possible. But the reality is now, it's a global game. So if we're not watching a match from England, we can watch a match from Spain or Argentina or Africa or wherever. And the reality is, if these players are being flogged week in, week out, playing you know, so much quantity, the quality is going to suffer. And arguably, there are times when it is. So, you know, I, I obviously I wasn't privy to, to the... The, the what what Paul the print presser, but I did see that the you know his kind of wouldn't say necessarily a rant, but his impassioned plea for five or six minutes in in, in front of the broadcast. You know, I think he said, "Oh, people might just look at it as you know, this fellow moaning from Liverpool again." Yeah. He, you know, arguably he's he's even more right to do it now because Liverpool are in a position of strength. He's not doing it saying, "Well, Liverpool are doing badly, and this is my excuse." We're doing as well as we've ever done, so I think that makes it even more important that he keeps banging that drum. But other managers and players, and like I said, I think the PFA needs to kind of take up the mantle with this as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think we could probably talk about this all day and obviously something needs to be done and we're probably not the powers to sit and discuss what it is because we have no power over that. Um, we can obviously report it and as it happens, but such is the way of football at the moment. But in a positive light, Kiba and Il. Liverpool are 27 points clear of Manchester United. They've got a game in hand. United are closer to bottom place Norwich than they are to Liverpool. There's probably a, no time in my life I can really remember where Liverpool have been such a strong position over United. Do you think now is the time for Liverpool to go out and really put a statement against United? Absolutely. 30 points. Like, that would just be... That would be the headlines, wouldn't it? You know, that is ridiculous for a United teams in the past, you know... Growing up as a kid, you know, every, they ruined pretty much every Liverpool fan's childhood. They were just there where they were winning everything. And, you know, we were just sort of like getting bits and scraps of, you know, 2005 Champions League and getting what we could, you know. And now, you know, the, the tables have absolutely turned. The, the grip on the Premier League has been completely loosened, if not, you know, absolutely fallen apart. And, you know, a lot of fans will have enjoyed that demise of such a, you know, a massive club, but obviously they're still there. If you know a few signings and here and there, and a couple of other things, and they could be well back on, you know, their pitch almost. Um, I think it's it's just it's it's a malfortune and prospect, isn't it, for Liverpool? That's surely got to be what Jurgen Klopp says to the players before you go out, go out and punish this team who've you know punished our fans for so long, and even in games we've lost over the years, you know, to have to be 30 points ahead, then they become almost like just nothing to Liverpool. You know, the, I mean, no one's close to Liverpool now anyway, but it's just like they become totally out of the question and that'll, I think, really hurt them. And, you know, Liverpool have got to go and put that that final sort of nail in the coffin. And especially with United having been the only points Liverpool have dropped this season, I think, you know, they've still got that in the locker. They've got that ability to... It's almost, a, it's, it's an occasion that's totally separate to anything else. It's similar to when we play Everton. It just, it stands out and it doesn't matter whether Rashford plays for them or whether they've got the strongest team or the weakest team out. It doesn't matter. It's just 11 versus 11 and that's what it, what it boils down to. Liverpool have just got to put the dagger in, I think, just to really, you know, prove that they are champions elect. And I think this this game will be the one because you were thinking... Tottenham get past that United and I think if Liverpool go 30 points clear to United I think everyone is then looking at Liverpool and just thinking wow The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo 
Yeah, fair enough. It's funny that you mentioned transfers in that there because I know, Paul, you've written your blood a column for tomorrow about just quite how well Liverpool have done with transfers in recent times and United's total frivolous waste of money on so many massive players. Can you kind of ex- expand on that a little bit? Yeah, it's just it's just a huge contrast when you think of the amount of money that has been spent between the two clubs since, let's say, 2016 when, when Liverpool really started to turn the screw when he brought in Mane and, and Wijnaldum. Um Every Liverpool transfer virtually has be, been a success. I think Lloris Carriers, you wouldn't say he was, but he cost less than five million and he's, he's long gone, isn't he? He's on loan. Um, Naby Keita, the jury's still out on him, but the idea is if he can stay fit, then he's going to be some player long term. Every other player, um, you look at the team that won the Champions League in, in June, I think I think eight, eight of them were, were club signings. Trent Alexander Arnold was obviously a, um, a youth, youth academy uh, graduate. Um, and United, in contrast, just seem to be throwing money at the wall every season and, and it's going nowhere. You think of Angel Di Maria, he was 50-odd million five years ago. Pogba, flat to deceive, he might be leaving at some stage. Alex, Alexis Sanchez won £300,000 a week. I think he scored, what, less than half a dozen goals. Lukaku's long gone. You can go right throughout the team. Um, Hanny Maguire was £80 million. Is he a patch on Van Dijk? Absolutely not. Victor Lindelof... Some Manchester United fans may say he's okay, but he's not for me. Just I think just every way you look, it's just been such a, a stark contrast in the transfer policy of both teams. Um, and it's a massive difference between the uh, quietly understated sporting director in Michael Edwards at Liverpool of God, who never, never looks for the limelight, just gets on with his job. And you've got someone like Edward who always seems like he has to make a huge statement when you know in certain appointments and transfers and it's just a, just a world away from what is working for Liverpool at the moment yeah so it's obviously on the pitch we're Liverpool well above Man United in every every department right now but you mentioned Ed Woodward and Michael Edwards there but it seems like now Dan that off the pitch in almost every single area Liverpool are well and truly taking the class apart haven't they They've become us of the of the nineties and noughties, haven't they? It's almost like a role reversal now. Um, I've made this point a couple of times that <clears throat> as the the football landscape changed in the early nineties with the advent of the Premier League, United really embraced that. Really, yeah, they were always a commercially successful, arguably a bigger. You know, they've always pitched themselves as the biggest club in the world, and the way that kind of panned out in the nineties suited them, and they embraced that and really led the way. And Liverpool and others had to catch up. In the last five to ten years, things have evolved again and the, you know, the the management and footballing and transfer structures within club within clubs have 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 changed where you've got you know your, your directors of football your transfer committees and at united somehow have allowed themselves to be left behind now whether that's because their ownership um the glazers obviously which was a very high profile takeover probably 15 years ago now um, and because they are such a financial behemoth, they are still making massive, massive sums of money commercially. In many ways, the, there is a perception that that kind of ticks the boxes for the Glazers. So as long as they're looking at the mm. balance sheets and they're seeing huge sales coming through, it's like, well, we're getting nice big dividends, happy days. But for Manchester United supporters, who are now going into, what, a seventh year without a league title? And, you know, and in that time, they've not threatened or looked close to it once. This will now be very much starting to bite for them, and I think, but the reality is, and you know, I would defy anyone to dispute it. Until they change the structure within the club, you can have Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Jurgen Klopp, 
Alf Ramsey, Helenio Herrera, whoever you like managing them, it's not going to make any difference until they change the, 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 the structure of the club. Yeah. Not our problem, like, but... What, what I would say is Manchester United is probably a perfect example of how off-the-field success can insulate you from mm. truly falling from grace because United are the streets behind Liverpool at the moment and they're still fifth. It's like, how much mismanagement can you get as a super club? How low can you go? And I'd probably argue sixth, maybe, um, because the, the signings aren't working. Um they're having a terrible time of it and still somehow in with a shot of being in the top four. Yeah, so I assume both of you agree it's time for Liverpool to absolutely go and put one through. Stand on the next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> turn up the t- turn the heat on and go out and make a convincing statement. They've never shown us one bit of sympathy mm-hmm. when we were struggling. I mean, one thing I'm quite looking forward to on uh, Sunday is hearing what, well, parts of anyway what come from the away end because for you yeah certainly the last few years we've had you nearly won the league and all these different types of things it will be very interesting to see to hear the tone that comes from their travelling support who is always one of the most vociferous yeah. up and down the country it'll I am kind of quite intrigued to, to see how that pans out on Sunday yeah just to finish this bit off Kiva you touched on it in your first in your first bit what sort of impact will this have on the rest of the Premier League, seeing that Liverpool are 30 points ahead of Man United if they win and have just really gone out and just shown them who's boss? Well, I remember, I think it was not last December, the December before when Man City beat United and it all but ended the title race because I think United were like up there a little bit under Mourinho, wasn't they? And there were so many points and I think three for them would have just got them within, you know... Ottomandy score. I think Hope would have still traffic. been there for yeah, them, but it just, it just killed it. And I think this is a similar sort of fixture, even though Liverpool aren't playing Man City, who were, you know, and or Leicester, who are the, the next in line. Um, I just think because of the stature of Man United, and I know everyone knows they're not in the place they were, but I just think it sort of it would have that similar repercussion in a way that it's sort of even though they're not in the title race, it'll send out that echo of almost invincibility, can we say, of Liverpool to, you know, go two games as well past United winning. The last time I think um they were like would have not been beat by United in a season. There was always there always seems to be draws, doesn't there? Or, yeah. been a lot lately. Yeah. I remember obviously the two wins um in twenty thirteen, fourteen and they were vitally important to Liverpool mounting that um title charge, which, you know, obviously didn't end well. But um I think it's it's so important. These types of games we saw last season against United the draw it can just that all but really ended that you know and then we went to Goodison was it after that and it can just I think a bad result against United can have a really negative effect so I think a good result can obviously have the opposite and hopefully Liverpool get that on Sunday yeah fair enough um we spoke a little bit about the start of this podcast about players coming back in and obviously there are a few returning at a really crucial time and it feels like a really, really positive moment for Liverpool. We'll come on to pick our teams for United in a minute, but there's an interesting kind of question that I want to ask because the bench for Man United on Sunday could be a full senior bench, but actually there might be someone missing. So you could have Adrian, you could have Matip, you could have... Lalana, you could have Fabinho, you could have Oxley Chamberlain, you could have Minamino. Minamino, you could have Origi. But then of course that leaves out Shakiri. There's eight players, I think, vying for a spot, at least on this bench. So but somebody's eight, nose is going to get put out of yeah. joint here. Eight into seven doesn't go, does it? Um who's the one who's going to be wearing the club suit and uh, with the rest of them in the in the training gear? I'm not sure really. 
obviously Adrian's going to be in there, isn't he? You'd expect Matip to maybe come in for, for cover on the bench. Fabinho as, as your midfielder. Shaqiri can play in a few positions with Sokan and Rigi, so it might be one of those. Minamino can too, but he's he's the new kid on the block, isn't he? And fans wouldn't mind seeing a glimpse of him. So I think uh, if you put me neck on the line, I'd say it might be Shakiri missing out. See, that's that's tricky, Dem. Firstly, would you agree with Shakiri given you know the previous against Man United <clears> and the fact you know he will be chomping at the bit to go again? Yeah, well, horses for courses. I mean, yeah, you know, he scored two tremendous goals last last season in a game that was that was should be remembered as, as poor as United were and as good as Liverpool Liverpool were. It was one one with twenty minutes to go. Yeah. And they were two, you know, both deflected maybe slightly, but but two hugely important goals. Did he come on towards the end of the game at Tottenham? Yeah, yeah. So so he has had a little bit of football lately, but um, it's it's splitting hairs. I mean, it could be a toss of the coin job, as you said. One of the it's a nice problem for this is the kind of problem that all football managers want when you actually you, you, your main dilemma is <clears throat> who to leave out. It it could be Shakiri, but I don't know. I I wouldn't be surprised if maybe possibly it might. It, he's a senior player. It's a big game. The emotional kind of intensity of a Liverpool Man United fixture might mean that someone like Shakiri might possibly get the nod over someone like Aminamino, who is still acclimatising, still learning the language, has still got a lot of football ahead of him. Um, I would probably lean more towards having Shakiri just as an option should we need him to be honest. Yeah, fair enough. And again, I'll come to you because you might have a different opinion on this. Well, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because I think in the last five um, Premier League fixtures, Nico Williams has actually been on the bench for all of them games. And I'm not sure, does he does Klopp now, you know, drop him out? I know he's a youngster, but that fullback cover maybe does, you know, trust him to come on in that position. It is a big game, but obviously we saw Alexander-Arnold. And without his... Milner giving full-back cover. There you go. So, it's, yeah. it, you know, maybe we will see a couple of senior players dropped out. Um, you'd be surprised to see Matip drop out. You think he needs to be there. Um, I'm not sure what it does to Shakiri if he's dropped out. I think it would have a really negative effect on how he operates, um, especially as well because he got the brace last season. I just feel like, you know... If he comes on, United are thinking straight away, oh my God, what, what's he going to get up to here? So I think he's an important player to have. It's such a difficult, it's so difficult now for Klopp, but it's, you know, it's a, a better position to be in than a few weeks ago, isn't it? You know, having to put youngsters on the bench rather than senior players. But, you know, I, I think you might you might well see someone like Nico Williams there for that full-back cover. Certainly is an interesting poser, Gorsty. You know, you, you've obviously got Lovren to come back, Cater to come back, Milner to come yeah. back, who probably all, well, Cater, especially Milner, would be vying for a place on that bench, if not the starting lineup. Do you think any players are going to get upset or do you think this is just comes back to Dan's point earlier that, you know, it's a squad game, it's a long season and everyone needs to play their part? Yeah, I don't think there'll be too many rumblings in terms of, I think the whole squad are focused on, on what they can achieve and do you know that if they keep their heads, then they can become champions for the first time in 30 years. But I think long term, it, it might present an issue and you might see one or two grumblings in the summer with players who are not happy of playing as much as they'd like. James Muller's just signed a new contract, so you can't imagine that he'd be one of them. But some, someone like Shaqiri, maybe, is, is he happy with the amount of game time that he's getting or lack of game time at the moment? Possibly, uh, we'll see. But I think at the moment, everyone's pulling in the same direction. Um, but what I would say is it's... It's a um, a welcome welcome prospect for Klopp because over Christmas when you think of the, the games at Leicester, Wolves and Sheffield United, seven of those 21 subs, if you like, have been 
academy graduates now over the next few weeks it's going to be all senior players if he wants them to be um, so I think that's going to be um, another string to the bow yeah absolutely no, I'll just finish you on this Dan is this going to be or is this Liverpool's best Premier League squad ever is this their best Premier League bench ever I don't know how anyone could say otherwise I think you look at the, the quality the depth the experience the hunger the desire um, the versatility um, and, and and what's the most exciting aspect of it is that you know for a large part of it the youth as well so they're only going to improve they're only going to get better and you know the position Liverpool now have in domestic and European and world football <clears throat> the choice additions that are likely to take place over the next 6, 12 to 18 months you know we're not in a position now where in the sub we go well we need four players here or we've got to get a goalkeeper Klopp and Edwards and Gordon can look and, you know, fine-tune areas of the squad that they may feel might need improving. But, you know, it's it's quite hard to improve on near perfection, which 20 wins out of 21 is as pretty damn close to it as you're going to get. It's just unbelievable timing, really, isn't it? It feels like everybody's coming back exactly the right time, heading into play United, going to, you know, extend or consolidate the lead at the top of the table. It's just, it's all just coming together. I think this is actually... Probably, you know, of all them senior players to feature on the bench this weekend or the likely, as Paul said, in the weeks to come. This is probably our best bench since Real Madrid away. But obviously we didn't have the we didn't have the team on the pitch, did don't, we? Though? Don't mention that to me in Doyle. Because obviously we had Stale and Gerard Coutinho, the likes them. That was probably our best bench ever, you know. But we didn't have the players on the pitch, but now we have. So, you know, I think it's it's great. And as you say, Liverpool need to consolidate this and just keep doing it. Obviously, it's one game at a time and, you know, every player will play the part, I think. Yeah, now, absolutely. the running almost begins because the further forward you get, mm-hmm. the, the 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 last, you know, it gets... Seven points. Yeah. Well, one thing that, sorry to jump in, one thing that, that I noticed after the win at Tottenham at the weekend, for the first time, you were starting to see little bits online, however many points is needed to to guarantee it, to clinch it. Now, that's still a long, long way off. And I can imagine if Jurgen Klopp heard that kind of talk, he would be very angry because he will not countenance anything other than the next game. But the reality is Liverpool are only, it's what close. is it, 12 wins away. Yeah. But you can't get the 12th or the 11th or the 10th win without the first one. Yeah. So the only one that matters at the moment is, is Sunday's. Very good point. Well, I think it's time to about pick our team for Manchester United. Um, obviously, Alisson starts in goal. I don't think there's going to be any qualms about that. Um, Robertson and Trent are the full-backs and Gomez and Van Dijk in the middle spots that off super quickly anyone disagree? Nope Nope Very good (laughs) Midfield then Um, because I think there's a few different options you know Lallana's returning to form Jakiri's got previous there's a couple of things you could do here Gorsty Henderson, Wijnaldum and then I'm mindful of picking Oxlade-Chamberlain I think no Cater no Milner don't really like Shikiri in the midfield three, prefer him wide. So I'm going Oxley Chamberlain. Like Gorsty, Henderson Wijnaldum absolutely laid yeah. um, nailed on. The only question is it for me is Oxley Chamberlain or Lalana. I do like Oxley Chamberlain, I think it was very unfortunate. Um the game at Tottenham not just hitting the post in the first two minutes, I think it was his ball over the top that put Fabino yeah. in. Yeah, it was, yeah. And you know, I, I thought he had a decent game. At times on the fringes a little bit. Um, it's absolutely splitting hairs. I think Adam Lallana has been a revelation over the last 
um, six weeks or so. Um, gun to my head, I might just go with him just because of the intensity of the game and just to make sure we've got that kind of experience and all the head to midfield. But I would very much have Chamberlain as one of the first options off the bench, I think. So we've got Ox, we've got Lalana, and we've got... I, do you know what? I think this has got Oxley Chamberlain Screamer written all over it at some <laughs> point. But I think Lalana should start just for, I think, his control and his mm. ability to sort of sense the danger and sniff control that out. Is a very good word. I think Oxley Chamberlain, you want him to come on maybe and, and run at them. I mean, he could do that from the off, we know, but I just think it's. It is it is quite the occasion, isn't it? I just think Lana needs to be rewarded for what have been yeah. some phenomenal performances. It's almost like he knows maybe he's not going to be at Liverpool and this is his last chance to... Well, his contract is up in the summer, isn't it? ...win mm-hmm. the Premier League and he's really putting it in. I mean, I'd be looking to tie him down for another year at least because he's if he can continue playing for the rest of the season as he is, you you wouldn't want him to leave, would you? Um, so I think I'll... I'll um, stop banging the Oxley Chamberlain drum ju- just for a minute and, and let Lalana let Lalana loose. Yeah, I think I think I'd agree with Lalana as well. And I think just the point to note, you know, on retaining him. I think it's just a respect from Klopp that Lalana is still obviously an excellent player as we've seen, and he could be playing regular first team football a lot, a lot, a lot of other really top clubs. And I think Klopp just kind of respects that. I mean, amazing option to have, but a respect there and an understanding that maybe he just wants to play a bit more football, which is totally fair enough. And if he gets Liverpool and drags Liverpool towards that Premier League title, then I don't think any Liverpool fan is going to say bad to that. No. Up front, got to be, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, Origi's always got a shout these days, hasn't he? Don't think anyone would be too disappointed to see him come in in any game, really. But now, you know, this is the chance to put United to the sword with with the main man up front. Yeah, I mean, his little twinkle toes, little quick feet, and his little in his ten minute cameo on. I don't think I've ever seen him do that before. I was dying to see that shot hit the bottom yeah. corner. And um, I think he will have, as ever, a, a, you know, another big role to play for Liverpool as this season goes on. But how could he not pick the front three at the moment? You know, it's um, they're the best front three in the world. Liverpool as a team is on a roll. Yeah, no brainer for me. No brainer. I can't argue with that. It's got to be the the, the trio, hasn't it? But there's a shelf for Rigi coming on late on, maybe to nick the winner. Who knows? Has he got one against United yet? I think he has. Has he? I don't think he has. This could be the day. Enter no. Planet Origi. Um, just before we go, the Lift 1 to 23s are in action tonight. And I won't ask anybody about this, but they're against Wigan in the uh, Premier League Cup. They are currently top of their group. They are unbeaten. If they win tonight, they're a really commanding position to go to the quarterfinals. And it was just another thing to note about every faction of the Reds just <laughs> absolutely marching on. Um, and it's just great to see. And the likes of like Harvey Allen people will be involved again and probably will be involved against Shrewsbury. So follow our live Sunday. blog. From seven. Yeah, there'll be plenty <laughs> in the paper and on the live blogs about that. But yeah, thank you very much for listening. Are we not doing score predictions? Oh! Do we have to? <laughs> you me. Go on then, Dan. You can go first. 3 0 Liverpool. Big. So you, what, you can tell he's on the lake, aren't you? We're <laughs> all itching to get off. 2 uh, 0 to Liverpool. 2 1 to Liverpool. 3 0. I'll agree. Three I think we're going to smash him. Can't wait. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.